recorded during the Plague Year 2020. This is the Andromeda Minute, a show where three times a week we go over Robert Wise's all-too-timely 1971 uh, techno-thriller, The Andromeda Strain, one minute of screen time per episode. I'm one of your hosts, Jim O'Kane of tvdads.com. And also with you today is uh, David Barnes with Enbridge Financial Group as a financial advisor and a person with a lot of interest in tech, former, and present, and future. David, I'm really happy to have you on the show. It's uh, this is this is so technically involved. It's very lots of blinky lights and machines and all kinds of stuff going on, and scientists oh, yeah. talking to other scientists. And I know, I know you dig this kind of thing. So I'm, I'm, oh, I'm yes. glad. Thanks so much for being on the show. Sure, um, thank you. And uh, we are looking. <laughs> this is not one of the one of the highest action packed minutes. I mean, we've got. Uh, We've got Ruth Levitt and uh, Dr. Jeremy Stone, and they're they're sitting at a beautiful uh, stainless steel <laughs> stainless steel cabinet in a stainless steel room with lots of stainless steel uh, furnishings, and uh, they're talk. Uh, and Ruth is trying to explain to uh, Stone that they're looking too long, and uh, he she insinuates that he's getting paid by the hour for for doing <laughs> such a yeah. such an investigation. Um, interesting having this kind of levity, you know, while they're, they're trying to find a deadly disease that's already wiped out of town. Um, but I, I think Ruth has a point. This is, they're, they're looking for a camel with a magnifying glass and it's just, uh, I, I'd start looking around for dents. Uh, and it's just a little bit, yeah, at a hundred, hundred power is really too high for this kind of thing. Well, I see Jeremy is trying to stay, uh, basically follow an order of things, right? I mean, yeah. he seems to be applying the scientific principle here. Uh, let's take the 50,000 foot view and let's see what we see. Of course, Ruth is getting somewhat impatient uh, with the, the, you know, a scientific process at, yeah. at some level here. Yeah. Yeah. She's a, she's a bit of a corner cutter here and he's trying to be thorough. Um, one thing, and I, I've talked about this in previous episodes. The thing that really bothers me with this is there's only two of them there. This is a this is a worldwide, you know, this, it's a national emergency, but it's almost a global emergency. I mean, this is something that can kill an entire town, and they've only got two. They should have everybody in wildfire on all five levels should be in this room watching multiple screens, saying, "What about that spot? What about that?" You know, clearing it out and getting a little uh, crowdsourcing. I think. Um, yeah, I, I, th- I thought I. Thought the same thing at least at initially, but I also recall weren't they trying to segregate the work effort and assign uh, folks uh, that were doing some other things? I do know, I do recall in the movie they all come back together for another event that they're uh, going to uh, look yeah. at. Well, yeah, I, I, I agree. I mean, they they, they are there is a, a separate you know a, a division of labor here that they're looking at. Um, the the biggest the, the, the thing that that really bothers me is they're looking at the scoop and one of the uh, one of the lines that comes up in this particular um, in this particular minute is where uh, Levitt says we can assume they put a scoop on the thing to scoop something into it and when you think that they're a government agency this is a top secret government facility you know they all have Z Kappa status they're all the highest of high uh, top secretness. Wouldn't you think somebody from the CIA or the the NSA or whoever whoever launched Scoop would you know like the mission controller should be that major man check guy that we we saw at the beginning of the movie? I would think somebody who knew something about Scoop would tell them what was going on with the you know where where they should look where, if they were going to find bugs. Where's the most likely place to find them? 
Yeah, I thought that was fascinating too. In the back of my mind, as I was watching the movie, I was like, okay, who's who's overseeing everything? Like, who who knows everything about the facility and about the process? And it just seemed like there's this something in heaven, I guess. Um, yeah, you know that that's overseeing everything. It's it was kind of interesting. I was always trying to identify who was the head, like you kind of mentioned. Maybe the CIA or the NSA or whoever, but I didn't. It was hard to to identify who was quote unquote in control, right? Um, I mean, yeah. that's what was going through my mind. Yeah, there. I mean, it's that that thing about too many chiefs and not enough Indians, but they're just they don't seem to be on the same tribes. It's just very much they're 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 all in their own little silos, and I would think that they should be asking for a lot more information from um, Major Mancheck and all those other people who seem to have some kind of a, a biological warfare component to the scoop mission, which is what Levitt's beginning to suspect and possibly Stone already knows. So it's, uh, I, I don't know, I, I think this is a little light. I, I don't think the story conferences with uh, Crichton uh, were very fruitful in, in writing, in, in leaving these things out and not, you know, not addressing them. But uh, I guess that's what makes for, that's what makes for exciting drama if we don't have to <laughs> think about everything at, at the same time. Um, I, I must ask. This is something I always ask uh, with my guests: is uh, what's your what's your relationship to this movie? Do you remember the first time you saw it, or what, you know how recently you've seen it? Well, this goes back to the early seventies, and uh, I was a much younger person, um, and I just recall bits and pieces um, of the movie. Um, but I tell you what, looking at it now. Um, you know, with the span of years and seeing, um, you know, how technology has evolved. It was surprising to me, if I may, just that the technology that uh, that they were utilizing or that they were depicting in the show was actually quite impressive for yeah. an early 70s film. And on a lot of levels, uh, on the way they were deploying um, the... Uh, uh, the producer, the way he was deploying that. And uh, I imagine uh, what they had to kind of visualize and see and, and utilize in the movie. I mean, I was like totally impressed with the 3D vision or view of the facility. I was like, well, that's pretty cool. And, um, and then, you know, fast forward to today and you kind of look back and when they were using the, the manual robotic arms, I was like, wow, they were, it felt ahead of their time, so yeah. far ahead of their time. Yeah, even little things like using a light pen. I mean, we we, we use touch screens now, but uh, that that feeling that this was all part of the the future, you know, what the future oh, yes, is coming down yes. the pike. Yes, fascinating. It's very fascinating. Exactly. I, I I thought the same thing. I was like, whoa! I'm with my Surface Pro now, and I'm sitting here holding my pen uh, <laughs> as we speak, and um, and seeing it. Um, it was like they were anticipating so many things we take, we kind of take for granted today, um, right? I mean, we t take these yeah. things for granted in so many oh. ways, yet we look back and it was like the forerunner of what we take for granted today. Yeah, and, and, you know, there's there's things like, I mean, the, those all those monitors on the wall is kind of the precursor to the Zoom call. You've, you can you can bring <laughs> yes. a bunch of people in on a conference call and, and they each have their own little camera and things. Of course, their, their cameras are about the size of a toaster. But, you know, it, it's still, uh, it's it's amazing how prescient they were about 
where we were going. I think the only thing they, they didn't understand is that um, we didn't need buttons. We, all the buttons that are on the, you know, all the buttons that are standing in front of them uh, and looking at a large screen on the wall rather than a monitor that's right in front of you. Uh, it's, it, it's. Yes, that, we didn't that, see. But that, that's we didn't an easy see, miss. Yeah, we didn't see the touch file, right? We didn't see yeah. the, the, that particular form factor. Yes. Yeah, but, but you know, it, it's still, you know, it's it's pretty darned. I mean, if they got eighty percent of it right, that's pretty pretty fascinating. Oh yeah, it's um, amazing to me. It's amazing and, they were doing that in the film, and at some level, the technology was was a, was there too for them to. And, you know, some there's some fantasy tech, right? But then there's also some real tech uh, that was available at the time, and and I think they were uh, displaying that at 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 its infancy. Yeah, and and of course this is you know this is Crichton being Crichton. He understands where he sees where the technology is happening. I mean this this thing is definitely in a a line of succession to stuff like Jurassic Park and of uh, you know the Terminal Man and Coma and all these other ones that you you can see the implications of where the technology was leading. So I I think uh, mess yeah and but but it's still falling back on a on a storyline that's as old as, you know, Frankenstein, it's man messing with mother nature and getting burned for it. So, uh, I, it's interesting how he, he ties in the timelessness of that, you know, man versus God kind of thing with, uh, you know, what, what the latest developments are on the, on the science and technology front. Uh, I'm just, I, every minute that I watch of this, I'm always still amazed that uh, Creighton had this uh, foreknowledge and that you can see not only the future of the technology, but you can see Creighton's future coming up at him, what, what the kind of stories he was going to tell. Yes, yes. As, did he foretell the Tesla spacesuits as well? Because <laughs> uh, that's one of the first things that came to my mind as soon as I saw uh, the gentle, the, them walking around the town uh, there in Piedmont. I looked at that and yeah. I went, did they just... Oops, are you there? Yep, I'm right here. Oh, there we are. Um, yeah, it, it's. Uh, I think he saw the idea of where the form fitting form fitting clothes are going to be. Of where, you know, just just the day to day stuff. Being being in a bulky suit is not going to be the future. And it, I mean, it took 50 years to get there, but he was right that you know that that idea of having a more uh, everyday wear uh, for a you know a full. I mean, and the way you know the way things go with this plague, we might all be in those kind of suits. Oh, uh, very fascinating. You mentioned that the plague and and the current uh, crisis, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, Crate is so realistic. I mean, even looking back at that movie, um, even in the time, um, I felt, even though, you know, we're so much further in so many different ways, I felt like I, in some levels there, the realism that he was putting with, at that time, I thought was, was, was really, really fascinating for me, too. Yeah, and, and this was, I mean, uh, you know, taking taking this this idea, even though we have modern technology, that the the worry about the fear of plague plague is something that has been with mankind since you know the days of the leper, and uh, it's it's something that you look at it and you say to yourself, I, you know, I I think we we're supposed to be advanced enough that we can conquer anything, but when you watch this and, and thinking to yourself is that, you know, humans are not in control of the situation. Uh, that's, that's something that Robert Wise is bringing out in this movie that you're saying to yourself, I think, yeah, it's, it's, sim it's, it is, it, we are not, you know, masters of nature. Um, 
I I feel that in every in every frame of this movie that uh, that Wise is is leading you on, saying, "Look, you don't you know you can't conquer this. Maybe you know, hopefully, if if not by uh, thinking thinking the procedure through, that some lucky break will come up." And I think there's a combination of that, which I, we're getting a little bit ahead of it, but uh, I think that that combination of smarts and a whole lot of luck to solve this problem. Um, Again, I'm going to go back to this technology uh, as well when they were filtering the air. And uh, that was a study for folks who are not familiar with understanding things at a micron level uh, and how they filtered for the organism. Um, that alone uh, was very interesting, um, especially if you weren't exposed or had any experience in virology or, or the science behind it. Yeah, and it's it's. I mean, you know, I know there's there's many people who are germaphobes, but the idea of just being able to filter out that's getting getting back to you and I are both Tesla owners, and I think getting back to Elon's <laughs> constant fear about bio warfare and stuff. That's why he has a a HEPA filter built into his higher end uh, Teslas. And I think yeah, this as we get into the second half of this minute, we're we're seeing a setup where they're going to start testing filtered air by you know. Bringing bringing a millipore filter in and saying, you know how it, how big the how big this bug is, uh, going going through and it's although it's it's probably it's coming up really in the next minute but uh, this again it really hammers home the importance of the scientific process. Um, yes, it, it does. It, yes, it does. You know, uh, and identifying. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. sorry. Go, go ahead. Go, no, go right ahead. Go ahead. No, I was saying, and as they pursue the identification of what this is and, you know, taking that first glance, first view and drilling down to ultimately what they discover this is. I, I thought that was, again, very fascinating. The Again, another education in, in the scientific process, at least what we were seeing in 71. Of course, it's a movie. Um, of course, you know, there's more uh, things get more involved, but I thought this was a really good way uh, to demonstrate or show to the general public that there is a pro there is a scientific process. I think that educational part alone is valuable. Yeah, I, I know. Like uh, in a lot of law schools, uh, people use the uh, the comedy "My Cousin Vinny" as a way of understanding how a trial, uh, a, a trial court, a, a court with a trial, a jury trial works. And this is pretty much this is a great. Uh, understanding of you have a hypothesis you say there's some kind of a bug we have to find out if it's a gas if it's a if it's a, a virus a microbe and how big is it how you know, what are we how big is it the thing that we're looking for so this step of well how, how would you test that you see what you know where, where the thing becomes deadly by by how big the uh, the airflow is and we get uh, the other the thing from a from a film filmmaking point of view i have to point out that uh, they're reusing a set three times, and they're doing a fantastic job of making it look like a different set every time. Of course, as we're watching uh, uh, Stone and uh, Levitt working on the capsule, that's the same set that they're using with uh, with Dutton and uh, Toby as they're connecting the two the, the the rat cages together. That's the same set. They've just done a a moderate redress using elements from both the uh, uh, the patient room that we saw in a, in a previous minute, uh, they they're reusing one of the glove box suits that they have there, and uh, they've also left the uh, the glove box uh, the Waldos the, the robot arms in from the uh, 
from the satellite uh, dismantling scene. And oh, fascinating. fascinating. I, did, I did not know that. I did not. I mean, I was unaware. I, I thought we were going from set to set. I had no idea that they were yeah, doing well, that. Yeah, you just have to, you know, shoot them in order. I mean, they had to shoot Dutton first because he would be talking to uh, Stone and Levitt on the video monitor. So they shot all these. The autopsy scenes were shot first. Then they did the uh, uh, the satellite scenes, and, and you can see that here. Uh, I have to point out, uh, this is the introduction of Toby, who is played by the extremely nimble uh, Ken Swafford, who's been in... Uh, gosh, if you if you watched uh, mo uh, mystery movies on TV in the 70s, he was on everything from Banachek to the Snoop Sisters to McMillan and Wife. He's always he was always a cop or a bodyguard or some kind of a you know airline mechanic. And uh, you know if they needed somebody, he was he was he's a regular Universal uh, stock player. So you'd see him in things like the A Team and Battlestar Galactica and oh, yes. uh, different strokes, <laughs> all that kind of stuff. So uh, it's great. You know, seeing this beautiful character, character actor uh, at a very young age there. We just uh, lost him back in 2018, but uh, still just an amazing oh character actor. Yeah, um, fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah, de he's, he's definitely one of the, he's, he's, one, uh, he's one of those that guys. You say, oh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen him before. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> yeah, we were noticing that in the movie. Carrie and I, oh, Carrie is my wife. We watched the show together and... Um, uh, it was a very fascinating. We were going back and forth saying, oh, we recognize him and we recognize her. And yeah, it's fascinating. Fascinating. Yeah. No, no big stars, really. I mean, I guess. Um... No, but still people that, you know, we've seen in the in other shows. Right. Yeah. That, uh, that just pop out, you know. Yeah. Like I, you think, said. I think yeah, D David Wayne, I think, would be the biggest one there. He played he had recently before this played the Mad Hatter on uh, Batman. And uh, he yes. was in a bunch of musicals and things back in the 50s and 60s. But still no, you know, no A-list stars, which I yes, think yes. is why this show, although well-remembered, well isn't, uh, it wasn't a blockbuster at the time. Um, so anyway, well, we've got some, we've got some more things to talk about uh, on, on Wednesday. So let's, let's hold off here for, for a moment. Um, but for, for folks listening in, if you've missed any previous episodes, and we've got 70 of them now, uh, you can check them all out at the big site, andromedaminute.com. Uh, you can also find them on uh, places like Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, TuneIn, uh, wherever you get your favorite uh, podcasts, they're out there. Um, David, when people want to uh, find out what you do, uh, where can they find uh, information about you? So they, uh, they can uh, reach us at enrichfinancialgroup.com. Uh, um, we are uh, updating the website as uh, as I speak to you uh, this weekend, so uh uh, hopefully it'll be uh, um, more accessible uh, this coming towards the later part of the week. I shouldn't be saying this out loud because <laughs> uh, my tech folks are going to uh, probably uh, uh, pull me into the corner. Uh, but uh, you can also reach us uh, in our offices. Uh, we, uh, we do business across the uh, U.S. Um, in all 50 states. And we can be reached at 972-465-0100. Just uh, give us a call and we see what we can do to help you out. 
Cool. Wow, great. Well, um, if uh, for folks on social media, if you'd like to uh, talk back with us, we're always available on uh, on the big social media places like uh, Twitter at Andromeda Minute, also on Facebook at the Andromeda Minute Project Wildfire. Uh, check check us out there. Uh, we will be back uh, Wednesday uh, with more from uh, me and David. So uh, check back with us here. In the meantime, please wash your hands, stay six feet apart, and uh, if you if you can, uh, please all the time uh, when you're around anybody, wear a mask. Uh, so anyway, we'll see you here Wednesday on the Andromeda Minute. Very flattering. We don't know much more than when we got here. <laughs>